0: Stay on.
1: What is up everybody welcome into another episode of the cut I'm your host Christian Williams and I am here with Randy Hall Randy how are you man
0: uh do, you know doing good had a fantastic day uh, yesterday uh, strolling around Cleveland with my friends and family mm-hmm. uh, but for st Patrick's Day and drinking from nine to eight uh, <laughs> that
1: was, it's, that was like, exciting it, it's a really good thing that certain news didn't hit yesterday yeah uh,
0: but there was a lot of brown stuff yesterday as well. Uh, so discussions in right. bars in Cleveland, especially, was a, a little rampant. But uh, yeah, it was it was still a fun day regardless. And then I actually went to like a, a watching party for March Madness today. Had some food and literally as I was driving away, the news broke. <laughs> so uh, obviously nice. the the shod news. So yeah, it's been a it was a great time. Until probably about right then uh, <laughs> yeah then it's going to then it's a the conflicting time
1: yeah we'll talk about that on monday i don't want to get into it tonight i don't That's really want to get fresh. into it ever um but yeah it's speaking of big trades though <laughs> yes yeah speaking of big trades we are talking about the green bay packers tonight we pivoted uh, as of yesterday we were planning to do a different team what team were we the uh, commanders oh yeah the commanders is what we had decided, and now we are doing the Packers. Uh, we will talk about the trade. We will talk about the, the GM and coaching situation. We'll also talk through uh, free agents that we would acquire and ones that they kind of already have already. Uh, and then we will do a five-round mock draft, and then you'll get to see how we fixed up the Packers. So let's get right into it. GM and coaching situation. Randy, talk to me about Brian Gudekunst. There we go. I, I even phonetically
0: it. put it out there even in case you didn't remember. But, <laughs> I got nervous, though. Uh, he's uh, uh, a Packer through and through. Uh, this is, oh, of course, a train comes right now. Uh, this every, is the 23rd season with the Packers. <laughs> so he has been here for a long fucking time through the two two of the better quarterbacks in NFL history. Uh, and this is his fourth year as the GM. So he's been a part of 15 playoffs, 11 division titles, six NFC title game appearances uh and one super bowl win (laughs) uh and he's he's had some notable hits in the draft uh as gm as Jair alexander and elton jenkins are the top of the list for me uh i know they've had some other midday picks that have really hit uh i would say you could, at this point, say Rashawn Gary. Uh, what could have been a possible reach then has been a hit. I think he's kind of gone into his own at that point, so good there. Uh And early signs point to Eric Stokes being also a pretty good pick last year, so props to all those picks. However, he has made some questionable early picks in the last few years as well, notably and namely the trading up for Jordan Love in the first uh, and following that up in the next round with A.J. Dillon, while having Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones under contract, uh, now to point out, they never wanted to get rid of Rodgers, but this was definitely a, uh, you know, a chip and to have an argument kind of thing and contract discussions and everything, and to trade up to have a chip when I think you could have sat there and had that uh, <laughs> is not the best idea in my opinion. Well, well I'll let you cover Jordan Love because I know you love Jordan Love, That's uh, true. but the AJ Dillon. I'm not a huge hater of that pick, but because you kind of wasted the first-round pick for immediate impact for a Super Bowl contending team, I think you need to maximize that pick uh, instead of just bolstering both rooms. And now that both Rodgers and Jones have re-signed, both of those picks look even worse. <laughs> uh, so that's it's just adding to position groups for depth instead of getting impact players to actually win a title. That's my problem with it, personally. This is fair.
1: This is fair. I will say, though, the conversation we had regarding uh, Icky, uh, if the Lions were to take Icky, that's how I view the A.J. Delin pick. Where yes, like,
0: I, I agree. That's what I just said, though. Like, Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think it was two definite luxury picks, especially at the quarterback, but I would argue that that pick of Jordan Love is what motivated Aaron Rodgers to go back-to-back, MVP. I, you know, I shouldn't have been back to back, but it's a different discussion. This is fair. Uh, But I mean, I would say that looking back, that was a terrible pick based on what the market currently is for him. But like, if you pick him in the first, I agree that they could have sat back and and taken him where they were sitting. But
0: if you pick him, there's a chance they could have picked him in the second where they got Dylan. It's a small chance. A very think, small chance. I think they had to that.
1: have known known something, though. I think they had to have known that that, that something was happening.
0: Yeah, in Either, fairness, I, I didn't look back at who they traded in front of, so I'm not going to kill it. It's just, at this point, what could you really give for Jordan Love in a trade uh, at best a second, I would say? And it's probably conditional to that extent. You know, I don't, like a third conditional to, to a second.
1: I've seen that his market is a sixth or a fifth at this point. That's fair, which...
0: man. He hasn't touched the field, and but there haven't been and... good reviews in practice necessarily either. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's a kill draft for him for his credibility, uh, yeah. unfortunately, because yeah. you know he's a stalwart, and he, you know, he's a scouting guy too. I'll dive into the history as well. Started with the Packers as an intern in the scouting department then was a the scouting assistant for the Chiefs for one year, and then from '99 to 2000 was the East Coast Regional Scout for the Packers. Then for 10 seasons, he was the Southwest Regional Scout for the Packers, and then Director of College Scouting for three seasons, and then two seasons as Packers uh, Director of Player Personnel before he became the GM. So he has an, a lengthy uh, scouting background, and obviously he's definitely was a voice in the room for Rodgers and for Devante Adams and for every great Packer, you know, of the last couple decades, he was at least a voice in the room. Whether he was a fan or not, I have no knowledge of. But that draft of love and Dylan is a rock for this team. It's an absolute, like, anvil because it arguably they could have had a better shot multiple years now. If they didn't pick those two people.
1: They also picked Degua in that same that second yeah. or third. And that was, I would argue, a worse pick. Not that they knew he, that Tunyon was gonna be what he was, but
0: The only um, the only reason I don't bring that one up is he's technically the team's fullback now, so at least he has positional value. Like he's well,
1: with what their around. tight end room looks like currently, he may also be their starting tight end. So, yeah. uh, but we'll get to that when we get to our mocks and the free agency and stuff. So, okay, uh, that's goot. Let's talk about Lafleur because I think that's his <laughs> you, name. You uh, were like, I said it
0: once, asshole. I'd say it again.
1: I think I think that's his nickname among Packers fans. It sometimes be, I think I feel yeah, like I've heard it because they
0: don't half of them don't know how to pronounce
1: it. They don't feel like it. I feel like, um, yeah. So let's talk about Matt Lafleur though because I I think through his first two seasons I want to say he yeah I mean we wrote this down one of the winningest head coaches ever to start his career
0: first two years he was the winning winning winningest head coach but this is his
1: fourth year so I wasn't sure if it was still yeah which it could be I mean his record you got 39 and 10 that's legit yeah that's what it says yeah that that is that's absurd uh that's an incredible record uh talk to me about his history a little bit
0: yeah well good Obviously, I I assume all these are, you know, facts that make sense because I get all of the stuff for GM and coach from the actual team fucking website. So hopefully they're not misinterpreting stuff, Uh, but (laughs) LaFleur, a lot of people's opinion got the job for some good offenses. He was a coach of, but this list of people he was assistants for is what a lot of people thought of when he got hired. Uh, So, he was an assistant coach for Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan, Dan Quinn, Sean McVay, and Mike Vrabel. So, those are some good coaches and some historic coaches as well, you know, even if they haven't had a lot of success recently, like Shanahan. But that tree, the trees of those are ridiculous uh, at this point. So, that's what a lot of people credited his hire to. Uh, I think he's proven past them, but also he's made some bad coaching decisions at the same time, and a lot of people will credit his success to Rodgers more than him. Uh, I'm just sticking that out there, but his history, 14 years in the NFL so far as a coach, uh, started in 08 as a Texans offici- uh, offensive assistant for two years, Washington QB coach for three, uh, Atlanta QB coach for two, uh, Rams offensive coordinator in 17, and the Titans offensive coordinator, coordinator in 18. Uh, and he has had seven top 10 defenses in those stints as coach. So for Bef- whatever oh, reason. Those are before the Packers. But so, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. so So um, really, really interesting. I forgot that he coached under Rabel that last year yep. before he got hired. I forgot that yep. that's where they hired him from.
0: The predecessor to Arthur Smith.
1: Yeah, which that's actually worked out too. Maybe Vrabel has. I heard a story on one of the podcasts I listened to that Vrabel was like grilling prospects, like screaming at them yeah, in that, meetings. Was that I feel stock like exchange? I might. I it definitely was, heard that one of the last two days. <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of them. But uh, that's hilarious. Vrabel's crazy. But Lafleur, yeah, he's been very successful early on. Uh, maybe that is Rogers. Maybe that is part of the scheme. I do think that. What Lafleur does best as a coach is he understands his personnel. He understands where he can win and how to get the ball in his best player's hands on offense. Yeah. And then he kind of just lets the defense do its thing. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, I would argue the defensive coordinator hires have not been good over the last couple of years. They've gone through a couple, uh, but there was promise at, at times last year. Uh, it's a young group. So we'll start talking about the state of the team. The Packers are the first good team that we've talked about, um, like good, <laughs> good team. I'm sorry, um, but they are the first like team that has legitimate Super Bowl contending. They're they're within a window, uh, and they were a few plays away from going to the NFC Championship. Like,
0: kicking however, a or something.
1: Yes, however. Um, let's just, the state of the team last year doesn't really matter at this point because of the big trade. It, it still matters, but like, but the, the big trade of Devonte Adams that we have not yet touched on, uh, Randy, talk about the Devonte Adams trade. I know you're dying too. <laughs> yeah, Devontae
0: Adams uh, yesterday was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders for their first and second-round pick this year. Um, in my opinion, uh, best receiver in football, also a little older. Just saying maybe it could have been a first and third, but I'm being greedy. Uh, yeah. it's just a killer trade for a guy that didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, you got a lot of return, and it's, it's rightfully so. Devontae Adams, you know, without the leverage of – not wanting to be there and all that you probably get multiple first rounds for him uh and maybe more so uh Devontae Adams is an absolute stud and he's gonna transform the Raiders offense but he also leaves an unfillable hole in the Packers offense. It's just plain and simple. I don't care who they draft. I don't care if they sign guys like Odell if they trade for Robert Woods which doesn't make any sense because by the Rams trade a good receiver to their rival uh but like anything, I don't care who they bring. Devontae Adams is a hole that cannot be filled by one person in one year. So
1: yeah. it is a massive trade. Yes, it is worth noting uh, that there, there was a lot of speculation about if Aaron Rodgers knew about the Devontae Adams wanting out. He did. Uh, yes. he, they told him before he signed his, his mega deal, which we need to talk about as well. He signed for three years, $150 million yeah 101 million and a half guaranteed at signing uh just an absurd absurd quarterback deal until today uh where that looks <laughs> We're talking big. about that Monday you said I move know. on. <laughs> I can't. I can never move on. Um but yes, so they they told Aaron before he signed this that this was a possibility. He kind of knew that uh, I think that's been in the works for quite some time. I think Devontae Adams has been pretty open that he wants to play with Derek Carr again, and so they, the Packers did right by him and kind of made that work. However, like you said, unfillable hole, but we're going to try to do our best to mend that room right now. So walk us through the, the cap room and free agents, Randy. So uh,
0: besides uh, Aaron Rodgers, which is clearly the biggest signing they could have made, uh, they extended Preston Smith's contract. So it's now five years, 65 million, including the year he had this year. Uh, they re-signed Devondre Campbell, who was quite possibly the best free agent linebacker of youth. I mean, I'd give possibly the best free agent linebacker, to Bobby Wagner, uh, just for locker room and everything increased, but Campbell five years, 50 million. I know we talked about both those deals before, but they're massive re-signings for this team. They are, they're, uh, Two of the three best players on their defense. Uh two they're at least two of the top five players, I guess. I, I I'm being a little greedy uh with all that. But and then they also signed a, a punter, uh Pat O'Donnell, for two years, eight million from the rival Bears. So a little bit of a win-win there. Uh, but that's what they've done so far. The after the trade, it seems like their main target to get back is uh, Rasul Douglas, Tunyon, and MVS, which we'll also get to in a second. Uh, But they totally, as of right now, have $21,149,282 remaining in salary cap. They have also done an absolute dick ton of cuts and restructuring. Uh, So I'm not sure how much more they can restructure. I don't know if there's any. So that's probably their limit on the cap just want that stated now before we get to who we have them returning or re or signing new and people are like, why did you sign six receivers? Uh, I, I don't think they get another penny from anyone else basically. So that's yeah. it. Uh, they've also this year cut Billy Turner uh, and Zedarius Smith to save cap. And they've had so many restructures. I didn't feel like taking the time to put on here.
1: So <laughs> fair. <laughs> I will uh, say so Turner and Zedarius were both starters last year. Uh, yeah. In some capacity, yeah. Um Billy Turner,
0: he's off. Yeah, he's lineman. Yeah,
1: he's a lineman. Uh, I think he he battled some injuries, if I remember yes, correctly. he did. Uh, but he but, was
0: right. He was supposed to be right guard, if I remember right. Uh but I
1: yeah. Think so, yeah. So, so they have. You, did you say twenty-one million dollars at this yeah, point? Yes. Okay. Uh, so twenty-one million dollars to work with. uh like randy just said they have a few key targets they've already lost lucas patrick to the rival bears and uh st brown to the chicago bears uh so they are just like plucking players off of each other's teams which is kind of interesting they so they took the pun or they took two depth pieces okay yeah it's (laughs) really not a whole lot of stuff that that matters although st brown might matter we should probably do the bears at some point why
0: did she
1: That's my new favorite team. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to get to them. Uh, who else do they have as key free agents, Randy? Uh,
0: they have uh, Kevin King, uh, Chandon <laughs> Sullivan, Isaac Yadam, Dennis Kelly, and David Moore. Uh, they also tendered um, who was looking to be their starting right tackle and Yash uh, Nijman. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that name. Uh, but we, they tendered him today. Yeah, I don't. I also don't remember what they tendered him as because I didn't recognize the name off the top of my head. So I didn't take it into consideration what they tendered. But uh, yeah. usually, if they tendered him, you know, I think they have an idea of him starting this year. So if he does get poached by someone, that is going to be a huge loss.
1: Yeah. They also tendered Alan Lazard with yes. a second round tender yes. at like I knew that. Three, three and a half million. So he's on the team. No one's given up their second round pick for Alan Lazard. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's a bargain for Alan Lazard. They may try to work a contract extension now that they do have some time. Uh, one thing to note, guys, so when they're when they're giving out these extensions, uh, they often put on some void years, and it gives them cap flexibility. So it's beneficial for them to commit to these guys if they do it the right way. Uh, the Packers seem to kind of know what they're doing with the cap because getting under at all was, was going to be a struggle, and now they have some room to play with. So,
0: yeah, the Devontae Adams trade, I think, gave them $20 million in yeah. room to work with.
1: Yeah. Yes. So should we get into our free agent ads, Randy? Yes, we shall.
0: Uh, am I going first? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, I already talked about these guys because I said it was a target that they're going for. Now that they have money, I have them bring back Rasul Douglas first. On a four year, eight and a half million port uh, per deal. This is a little bit of a hometown discount, but not much. He's pretty much, uh, according to the Spo Track, valued at nine million a year. So it's a little bit cheaper. Honestly, I just needed the extra half million uh, to resign someone else. So uh, speaking of, I signed Robert Tudin to say one year, five and a half million. He had an incredible year two years ago, uh, touchdown heavy. Uh, would be the statistical anomaly most people looked at for this season. And he struggled out of the gate, and then he got hurt. Uh, So I don't think he signs a big money deal anywhere. And I think this is a prove-it type deal where he still gets to make money and he gets to take a shot at uh, a Super Bowl here. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. uh, You're probably looking to add to the room anyways to the draft. So I think it's a solid like hometown deal that also gives – a guy that's worked hard for them, money, now, oh, he, he tends to prove himself and up his market for next year when that tight end market kind of gets reset after all these tags this year. And then I brought back MVS as well, three or seven million per. This is also possibly out of the realm of possibility for them. Um, Christian alluded to this uh, to me prior to the show. Um, I saw a little bit about this on Twitter, but it seems like his market is heating up. Uh, as just a field stretcher that is, uh, you know, valued in this league. Um, I think he gets, I mean, what did fucking, oh, what is his name? Zay
1: Jones Jones got eight million. That's, (laughs) That's I think that's the problem here.
0: That's the problem here for me. But this is the money they had. Um, so yeah, it's it's a hometown discount. Um, which let's be real, but uh, this also could be stretched with signing bonus to get into more money and
1: you know? Yeah. So I, I think this is a reasonable deal simply yeah. because I think the Packers could sell him on, Hey, you're going to be a focal point at, at, at this at, at, right now you are stepping into a focal point role. And I think that he wants something like that. And I think he's going to get it. A lot of Packers fans and just NFL fans in general think that he's not very good because he's had some drop issues, but I, I think he's a better version of Nelson Aguilar. And Nelson Aguilar yeah. went and had a really good season with the Raiders before kind of tumbling with Mac Jones and his uh, baby arm, you know. So I would um, rather I would rather
0: have MVS than say Jones for oh, seven million yeah. or eight million, just in yeah. general. So, I, in my opinion, I think he should. If Zay Jones gets eight, he should get nine at least. But this is definitely an incentive contract that they've signing bonus the shit out of. Uh, I think clearly, but. I don't yeah. think MVS necessarily wants to leave though. That's the biggest thing. That's why I was like kind of help end on having him resign is I think they want him. And I think he kind of wants to stay. So
1: yeah, it makes sense. All right. Uh, on my side of things, I put Rasul Douglas right in the middle, so I didn't have to put him on here twice. Cause that would have been redundant if you're watching uh, <laughs> and see the graphic. But I also am just going to take Randy's contract that he gave Rasul Douglas and give it to him. I think he wants to stay. I think that he will take whatever discount is there. Uh, or he would have signed already. I think that Packers fans kind of knew that this, or Packers players kind of knew that this was coming uh, well in advance, and that's why they've kind of stayed stagnant. None of these three guys that have Packers uniforms on have signed anywhere. I think that's for a reason. I also think that there's a chance, and I didn't put him in in my free agency simply because there's still not room to sign him. I think Zedaria Smith may have backed out of his contract with the idea of, hey, maybe I can go compete with... With Aaron now that they have some money for me I don't know you know I I don't know if he's even signed anywhere yet it could have happened while we were on the uh, (laughs) when we just started 23 minutes ago but uh but yeah I think that that's the reason why it's been a little dead uh and obviously the quarterback market has dictated where people want to go as well with that being said I gave them Odell Beckham Jr. At, at two years 12 million per I think that that's a a bargain but i also think that you're going to get a bit of an injury discount with odell because he's going to be hurt to start the year there's no debating that uh he got hurt in february right it was in the he got hurt in the super bowl it you? was in the super bowl so it was technically february so his recovery puts <laughs> him uh it's like the other way. yeah
0: i was right asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah 100 yeah february uh, just like i said dick it's like oh
1: so. yeah uh but essentially his recovery time he just did this but it took him about 10 months 10 11 months so you're looking at him like not being a huge player for you for at least half the season if not more and so i think you're gonna get a bit of a discount i think odell right now on the open market gets 14 just with how we've seen wide receiver contracts being handed out, but he'll take a little bit of a discount to go compete with Aaron Rodgers, I think. And now that they have the money to do it, it makes some sense. So I only signed two guys. It's kind of where we're looking at free agency. Uh, I will say, so stay tuned, everyone. Uh, Normally when we end our mock draft, it kind of just ends the show, but we did kind of lay out the starting lineups for you uh, just so you could get a a visual of what the teams look like after we are done. Um, Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, All right. Let's talk through some team needs. Uh, We've already hit on the big one wide receiver, but Randy expand that a little bit. What else do they need?
0: Yeah. So they need offensive line help too. So offensive tackle, like I said, they did tender uh, a guy. They, I think they believe can be their starting right tackle this year, but they need someone else in that room in case it's not him and uh, or at least someone that can compete for the position if need be and swing in there. So they need help there. And if you do it early enough, you could get an actual starter that you also believe in and have true competition for it. Uh, they need a hand in the dirt edge. So uh, three to five tech. Uh, they are a three, four teams, so they have outside linebackers and Rashawn Gary and uh, Preston Smith who are clearly the starting edge rushers, technically, but they need a hand-in-the-dirt guy there or two or developmental guy there because that's pretty much all they have, in my opinion, at the edge rushing position. Uh, they need a right guard, so interior offensive line. Uh, they need help, and they need a, a D-tackle, so IDL, but that's also part of the edge. I kind of count them both as the same thing, but they also could use a rotational uh, nose tackle as well. Kenny Clark was a little banged up here and there, the last couple of years as well. So getting depth of that position makes sense. Uh they could use linebacker depth. Uh more this is more talking pass rushing outside linebacker or pass coverage outside linebackers, uh just depth of that position, but mainly inside linebacker help. Uh, because you you brought back Campbell. That's mainly your linebacking room. Uh, I know a lot of the times they played nickel, so there is only the one middle linebacker out there, but they do need depth of that position. Uh tight end, we talked about Tunyan being a one year deal possibility that. We don't really like their tight end room uh, besides Tanyan, so I think they definitely need help there. Is At least an upside chance in this draft, I think you, you get an upside tight end. Uh, safety, they need depth safety, and Amos is a bigger contract, and it will be expiring here relatively soon, so getting a replacement for that to pair with Darnell Savage mm-hmm. for the future is a good idea. Uh, cornerback, if you bring back Douglas, you have three good corners but you still need depth of position as I'm sure the Ravens could attest this year uh, and the Browns two years ago could attest. Uh, So cornerback depth, and they really could use maybe a more slot focused corner as well. So just getting more situational corners is a good play. Cause again, they play a lead nickel, so they need a lot of secondary pieces and then it wouldn't be the worst idea to get, take another shot at running back. I know they have three running backs that we both think are really, really good or have upside. So, but you never know that you might need to replace Aaron Jones here and get another upside shot. It's like a last piece. I've never really, if someone takes a running back in the fifth, sixth or seventh round, I'm never going to be opposed to it. So
1: That's what I was just, every team should be taking a running back, especially this year. There's a ton of guys that should make rosters. And with the NFL adding extra games, it makes sense to have a pretty deep running back room. Um, All right, let's get into our, Our five round mock drafts. So the Packers have a ton of picks now. Uh, So why don't you go first, Randy?
0: Yeah. So they have eight picks in the first five rounds. So I started off with a guy that's falling from the combine, Traylon Barks at 22. I think there's a better than good chance that the Packers send a first, like 28 or 22 and a third round next year or this year's third round to move up in the draft uh, into the top 15 and kind of join the wide receiver party that's going to probably start happening at eight. So (laughs) a team like, you know, maybe Seattle at nine, maybe they want to trade down, or maybe uh, the Jets have people are talking about them possibly trading down, but they could go for one of those receivers. There's multiple teams around there that I could envision possibly trading back, uh, including the Texans now that have the 13th pick. So uh, I think there's a good chance they trade up. But in this case, they got to sit back and kind of pick from what was left. Trelon was what was left. Um, I think London makes a ton of sense as well, like you have. But Trelon is a little bit of everything. And with Lazard and uh, MVS back for me, I think I'd rather have a little bit of the everything with those guys being more of like deep shot, kind of. Lazard's a little bit more of a slant guy at times, but. Uh, It was a little bit more diversity in the receiver room that I wanted. And then I followed it up with Zion Johnson at guard slash tackle. We'll see what happens. But I think Zion Johnson's floor is 29, uh, personally. Obviously, if he got to 31, the Bengals will take him. But the Dolphins definitely need him. The Packers need him. The Bucks need him at 27. Like... (laughs) zion johnson fits so many teams and so is uh Kenyon green so i i had him falling here consistently i put him here at 28 it's a beautiful fit where he automatically is your starting right guard or he could fight for right tackle and those are both position and needs on the offensive line so it makes perfect sense i followed that up with demarvin leo who is a very talented guy but he's a guy we've both internally talked about how we're not sure if he's a three or a five tech um in the Packers scheme, it doesn't fucking matter. He's both. So it's a perfect <laughs> fit, and he could dominate at this level as an attacking three-tech, a real dominant attacking three-tech for this team, or he could rotate out the five if they need it for different schemes uh, and different ways that they're going to play this, and I think he's a good fit, and there's so much talent around him on this defensive line, he'll be able to learn and pick it up quick, and they'll put him at whatever weight they want. He's going to, in my opinion, really succeed in this team if he gets picked here. Um Followed that up in the the next pick of the second round with Jalen Petrie, uh, the center from or the safety from Baylor. Uh, the S threw me off because I keep putting S A F. Um, <laughs> he is kind of like an in between, more of a DB than a corner or safety for a lot of teams right now, and I can't tell if that's going to push him up boards with this safety and corner class or push him down. Uh, for me, he's here at fifty nine. I think that's easily possible but he is an absolute solid pick for them where he can be a rotational DB anywhere for them, whether it be corner or safety. And I think this is a fit where he doesn't have to immediately make an impact play, but he can play all through the game on defense and on special teams and can continue to learn the position and hopefully be some sort of a replacement down the road for one of these veteran players. Uh, Followed that up with Jeremy Rucker at 392. Uh, as it, the viewers can see who you picked in the third round, uh, but I went with a different tight end here. Rucker is good at everything, you know, he's not the best route runner because he wasn't asked to be. He's got good hands, he can make contested catches, but he's the best blocker in the class at tight end. And with how much the Packers run the ball and run uh, play actions, and you know little like block to pat block to route ratios for tight ends. Ruckert's gonna fit that perfectly. And he'll absolutely dominate blocks in the end. And that also helps with the right side being a little bit iffy at times. You can be confident in putting Rucker out there if you need help stopping a dominant edge rusher on that side that keeps picking on your weaker side of the offensive line. Uh fourth round I want Dominique Robinson fourth and fifth round for me for edge rushers. Uh while this is a Tremendous edge rusher class. This is a little bit more of upside shots for me in this round instead of instant impact. Uh, he is obviously, in my opinion, he's an edge rusher in the class, but he's more of an outside linebacker, and he would just be a rotational piece to spell Gary and Smith, or be rotational piece for injury. But I think he has some pretty good upside, and he can really thrive in that role with development. And this is the perfect situation where he doesn't have to step on the field right away, but he can continue to rotate in and just keep learning. Uh, I didn't mention he's an edge from Miami of Ohio. If you don't know who that is. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I followed that up in the fourth. Again, multiple picks in multiple rounds. Uh, But with Andrew Stuber, Stuber, Jesus, uh, (laughs) just added an R because it sounded right. Andrew Stuber, the offensive tackle from Michigan. Uh, A lot of people view him as a starting right tackle right now. Not the greatest one, but some guy that can come in and play right tackle right now. I think he's going to need a little bit more seasoning. But worst case, you have competition at right tackle now. And competition is nowhere near the worst thing for a team. Uh, The Packers had a lot of injury at offensive line, too. So getting guys that can be just death pieces and possibly take over for the future is a smart idea. Um, I don't think you should even consider moving him to left tackle ever. Like his footwork at right tackle is solid and his power at the point of attack is his strength. (laughs) <laughs> like, I know that's redundant to hear, but yeah, but that's literally his best feature going into the draft is his power at the point of attack. And I think he's it's a good pick for here where maybe he's not necessarily a perfect zone scheme. But with what Michigan did this last year with their trio of running backs, really, uh, there was a lot of ground and pound in a lot of zone just burst and one cut. I think he showed the ability to do both. So I think it makes sense. And then followed up with a uh, rotational inside linebacker and in DeMarco Jackson. I, you know, I think there's a chance he could go higher than this, but he, for me, at least at this point is one of those, like, he's just not in the tier above him where there's multiple tiers of these linebackers for this season, but he's just below. And I think it's a little bit of level of play because he's a linebacker from Appalachian state. But for me, worst case, he's a special teams ace for you this season uh, but you, with how much they play nickel, he doesn't need to be a God-tier linebacker this year, but he's a good rotational piece. And when they do have the two inside linebackers out there, I think I would be shocked if by the end of the year, he's not the second inside linebacker.
1: Yeah, that's a fair assessment. <clears throat> I was going to say regarding Stuber, but you hit on it. Their their run game was outstanding. And if you're looking for a run game Offensive lineman. I think Michigan's a good place to start, so uh, I like that pick. I haven't studied him officially yet, but
0: um, just watched one game after. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Um. All right, I'll get through mine because there are so many picks that we have to talk about. So, um, so so I, as Randy alluded to, I started with Drake London at the twenty-second overall pick. Did this a few times. I'm not sure if I expect him to be there. I think there may be. a little more hesitancy with him than you would expect just with the the misconception that he can't uh, separate. We talked about this on the wide receiver show this week, actually Uh, Drake London can separate. He can separate just fine. I think that he doesn't do it in the same ways that some of those fast guys like Jamison Williams and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, they obviously show like they have visible route running separation. Whereas Drake London can get open in a variety of different ways, including his physicality. I think that putting him in the Devonte Adams role makes some sense because he is a really good yak guy. He's not the fastest, but neither was Devonte Adams. Uh, he was just dynamic after the catch and that's what Drake London can be for them. So I really like that fit. He was there a few times. I think there's a chance that he's there, but I they may have to move up to get one of those premier wide receivers, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I followed that up at 28 with Kenyon Green, the guard out of Texas A&M. There's just one of Zion or Kenyon Green should be available at 28. The The nightmare scenario is that they're both gone, and then your best interior offensive lineman is probably Tyler Linderbaum, which does not fit a need whatsoever unless you plan to move a small little guy to red guard, <laughs> which you can't. And ultimately... I, I he he's a good zone guy, like he can move, but you you have Josh Myers and you can't move Josh Myers no, either.
0: So, yeah, Josh Myers has to play center in this scenario you're talking about, uh, where both are gone. I think they would then uh, be going for uh, another receiver, possibly, but edge rusher, um, or honestly, get an offensive tackle there. You know, if the guards, yeah. if the value guards are gone, take the value tackles and fill that hole instead.
1: Yeah, I will shout out Bernard Raymond, I think is going to go on the first I've graded him as like a third round prospect, but his athleticism mm-hmm. and his upside are going to push him pretty high in the draft. I think, I think teams are going to really like what they can mold him into being. And I think he'll play some, some right tackle. So I think that that would be a fit if Kenyon green's gone, but Kenyon green is a really good starting right guard immediately is yep. what I think he would be. So I really like that fit there. I doubled up at wide receiver in the first three picks, and I went with Sky Moore, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. I don't know how they plan to attack the wide receiver position, but I know if I were them, I would just throw darts all over the place because right now the room is bare. Right now, Alan Lazard is really the only – receiver that matters sorry Amari Rogers stands Amari Rogers is not that good Randall Cobb is back I think he's your starting slot at if the season started today I don't love that either I think Rogers wants him there and Rogers will throw to him if he's on the field I just don't think he's that good anymore uh, so go get a guy like Sky Moore who can actually play a decent slot role we talked about him on the wide receiver show as well I love him. I think he can be a starting Z wide receiver. Uh Randy loves him too, but not as much. So I get to to claim him as my love this year. Uh, you get to claim
0: people now, huh? That's yes. <laughs>
1: um but I also think Sky Moore will be effective as a slot receiver at the next level. I think that, that would be a, a really nice role for him, and I think that's where I would place him here. Follow that up with Majai Sanders, the edge out of Cincinnati. They do run. I think, I think Sanders' best position is a three-four outside edge rusher. So outside linebacker that that rushes. I think he can play in coverage. There are concerns about his size. He's not two twenty. He was sick. He he posted a picture that he's in the two forties now uh, after the combine, which is his playing weight. And I think that he can get up into the two fifties. And he is a skilled edge rusher with a lot of bend. I like him as a second-round pick. He's pretty close to a first-round grade for me. If he's not, I can't remember if I, I have him there or not, but uh, really, really good player that was really productive for Cincinnati this year. Follow that up. Uh, Randy alluded to this. He took Jeremy Rucker, which was all, all he was also on the board for me, but I took Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State. My tight end won. I think that he shows enough effort blocking that they'd be comfortable rolling him out there. He has some technical things to clean up, but overall he is such a good pass catching tight end with the softest hands, uh, that I think that he could play a Robert Tunyan level role in this offense where he splits out into the big slot and and becomes one of your premier pass catchers. Might not be immediate. We know that tight end productivity doesn't come immediately, but I love Trey McBride, and I think the NFL is going to be a little lower on him, so I think he'd be available here in the third. Follow that up with Alante Taylor, the corner out of Tennessee. Uh, Alante Taylor is a a long, bigger corner, uh, but specifically long, and I think that that's something that uh, – Rasul Douglas brings that as a corner, but I don't know that they have – a a ton of length at wide or at corner. So I think that bringing a depth piece in makes some sense. It's a day three pick. Alante Taylor is also a nice little mix of size and speed. So he had a pretty good senior bowl. There were some concerns. Uh, He gets a little aggressive, but I think that's a good thing, especially in this defense. Then I went with Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle out of Louisiana. (sighs) Max Mitchell has had a really rough pre-draft process. He went from, like, let's see what he can be. Can he be a day two pick to definitely not a day two pick? And this might even be a little early for him. He's not the athlete that we really needed him to be. But also a lot of the reps that he put on on the senior bowl tape were not very good. So uh, overall, there's a developmental guy that you're not relying on to start his first year. And you can work with him for a little bit. And he could end up being your starting right tackle with time. He needs time. Uh, And then my last pick in the fifth round, 171, was Kyle Phillips, another wide receiver out of UCLA. I went three wide receivers with the first eight picks, and I think it makes sense. And I think Randy thinks it makes sense too, but he didn't like the value. That's my guess. Uh, He also probably thinks that that's oversaturating the position, and I don't care. I'm doing it. Kyle Phillips, we've talked about him on this show. Uh, Really good slot guy. You know, if if they project Sky more as a Z like I kind of do, Then you can bring in Kyle Phillips to be your starting slot wide receiver. He's better than Amari Rodgers today, I think, personally. And he is, it's sad. I can't do it. I think he has Hunter Renfro type upside. He's a really uh, good separator. Where's where's this button to leave again? (laughs) Hunter Renfro wasn't what he is now. Like, I think. This is exactly what he was. (laughs) He he he's always he, whatever.
0: He's, he's been this for the ten years he was at Clemson and he just joined
1: the league, the same exact person. It's fair. But Kyle Phillips is also good in his own right. He, and he was productive. Uh he, he's a fun wide receiver, so that'll do My, it for the mock. What yeah what do you yeah.
0: think? I, I'm fine with it. Like your designation of like Sky Moore is more of a Z uh is what makes like the Phillips pick a little bit better. But I mean, this is obviously it's the same GM and coaching staff that just picked Amari Rodgers and traded up to get him, mind you. Uh, so I think they see value in him. So I'm not sure if they – like, if you just have Sky Moore as a slot, just in theory, and you draft Kyle Phillips, and you have Randall Cobb, and you have Amari Rodgers, and then you only have Drake London and uh, Lazard as outside receivers, I think you kind of like do a disservice to your team, in my opinion. But, yeah, like for your wide receiver room personally, and for what Rodgers likes to do personally, (laughs) uh, especially with getting Trey McBride to take up so many targets in the middle for the future. I don't know if that necessarily makes sense, but with him being more of a Z, it's a little bit more split where it makes more sense. Was my, (laughs) I was like, why
1: did he get Phillips too? And then you said, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I think they're so win now that something like this is a reasonable thing. They like it is. They, they do have weaknesses. You know, you added a safety. I think mm-hmm. that makes some sense. I think Darnell Savage even didn't play up to what our expectations were for him last year. Yeah. But I also think that year two in that defense, they can be good and they, they do need depth and they need other positions. But if you want to make Rogers happy, especially, I mean, you gave him 200 million reasons or 150 million reasons 150. to be happy. uh, But I, if you want to make him happy, you go get him some weapons. And even if you have an oversaturation, then you're battling with really talented guys, which makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, my thing is, uh, I think the situation to overdraft receiver, like, or oversaturated in this draft like you did, would be how you actually uh, argued Kenny Green not being there at 28. Like, I think yeah. if both those guards are gone... I think you just go Drake London, Traylon Barks or both or Drake London, Chris Olave, like, or Dotson or you just fucking full out hammer the position, the first two rounds, <laughs> just yeah. call it a night, you know, like come back yeah. the next day and attack like the offensive line and edge and everything in tight end. uh, Like that situation is where I'd be because three or two receivers in the first three, like picks is tough. But you know, it's what they need. It's their biggest need, so it makes perfect
1: sense. Yeah. All right, Randy, we're gonna we're gonna toss up your starting lineup. And walk oh, us
0: through. thank God. Um, yeah, definitely gonna enlarge that screen now. Uh, so <laughs> I have it half and half, so it's not as big for me. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. That doesn't change. Uh, Traylon Burks, wide receiver one. Lazard is the outside receiver as well, and I have MVS. As outside for sure, as the deep threat with Lazard and Burks taking split reps between outside and inside receivers because line can do that. Uh, I, he's clearly the wide receiver one in the situation. Then I have Robert Tunyon and Jeremy Ruckert as your twelve personnel tight ends. Bakhtiari Jenkins, Myers don't change. Zion Johnson, you're uh, an incredible guard. <laughs> like I, it, it's going to it's going to be either Tampa or. Green Bay that gets Zion Johnson at this point, and it's not gonna be fair. So, <laughs> because he should not be there for those two teams, and he's a perfect fit. So that's incredible. And then Josh Nijman I've said it three different ways, I really don't know how to say it. Um, <laughs> but he, he he is someone they clearly view as a starting right tackle, or at least the right tackle for this year, or at least a, a valuable enough swing position in case they can't find one of the drafts. So I think he's clearly started in this situation. Dean Lowry and DeMarvin Leal is your starting edge rushers with Kenny Clark, manning the nose as he always has. Uh, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith being obviously the three blower outside linebackers who are the actual edge rushers for this team. And then Devontae Campbell being the God-know linebacker that he is this last year. <laughs> and I think he continues that. Jair Alexander finally back from his injury. With Eric Stoke and Russell Douglas is an absolute ridiculous corner room. Uh, and then you add in uh, Petrie to be a rotational safety along with Savage and Amos, as well as a rotational nickel corner. Uh, I think that's a great secondary to just build off of and just add another versatile piece. I think this way, honestly, you're on defense, your safety play needs to improve but the the names and contracts make sense there that they should be really good. But your weakest points are your de- defensive ends in that situation, and they're looking pretty good in this situation. <laughs> so <laughs> I think this defense should be back to being a strong point for this team, which is the only reason, uh, the only time Aaron Rodgers has actually won a championship. So let's get back to that. Uh, but you also try and fix the receiver room as well as bringing back people that he trusts, which is Aaron Rodgers' biggest quote-unquote like kind of downfall uh, as a quarterback where he, it takes a while for him to trust receivers. So at least this way, you get two, and you have Randall Cobb, obviously, but you get two receivers that he trusts entirely to throw to at this point, and you bring in a better receiver for him to grow trust with. And Traylon can make all the back shoulder jump ball plays that Rogers wants to make. So it makes perfect sense. And you kind of fix the offensive line. I I think I would have wished I could have gotten a, a better starting right tackle, but I wasn't trying to overdraft the position when there's people like Lee Allen Petrie there that really can overemphasize the
1: strength of a defense. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. I like your lineup. I think they'd be really good like this. Um, I like mine more, and I'm going to go over it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, obviously we, we know that that's not changing. My starting wide receiver room would be Odell Beckham Jr. when he comes back healthy, uh, Drake London, Sky Moore, and then you would also have uh, Alan Lazard rotating in there when Odell's out. Uh, you would have Randall Cobb obviously rotating. It. You would have an abundance of wide receivers, which is something yep. this team doesn't have. As and Trey, yeah since what jordy Nelson-ish nelson ish nelson and Cobb, yeah Cobb Cobb. Was there. yeah <laughs> shit yeah there's there is there another big name there but, i, uh, I want to say driver but i don't think that's right but it also seems right i feel like yeah i feel like they overlapped but um then trey mcbride at tight end i i would have him starting i think in this scenario they probably keep Mercedes lewis yeah, uh, and maybe maybe he's technically the starter for a little bit but Trey McBride would work in there by the end of the season uh same offensive line as Randy except Kenyon Green at right guard again I I kind of agree I I would love to get a better starting right tackle but I would rather have Odell Beckham for the playoff run so I paid him instead and that makes sense to me yep. uh Here's the defense is where it gets a little, little dicey. So we know Rashawn Gary has been really, really good in that uh, outside linebacker role. With how I drafted, I didn't I didn't fill that need. And ultimately, you have to get your best players on the field. I think Majai is one of their best players in this instance. And so I would go Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary with his hand in the dirt as the five tick dean lowry is the three and then uh Majai, devondre campbell preston smith would be your linebacking room and i like that i think that makes some sense yeah um,
0: so in this situation it's literally whoever the both are good at right outside linebackers whoever's best at hand of the dirt uh and i think strictly gary would continually be the the guy in the field and then maje would come in for a spell or this situation where you need edge rusher and outside linebacker this is the the lineup you would do because gary is 275 or so while maje is 240 250 it makes more sense but it's really who plays best as the hand in the dirt edge uh which is kind of up in the air so just because you have it this way doesn't mean you know, it looks weird to people now, but it, this could be the way. Or Maje could be just a smaller
1: guy inside that still dominates uh, in the pass rushing game. Yeah, and I will say, too, I mean, we have some film of Sanders not being very good with his hand on the dirt, but I, it doesn't concern me. The kid's good. I mean, the yeah. kid is talented, and I think he'll win in whatever role they put him in, but I would prefer him as the outside linebacker there. Yep. Uh, then my corner room is the same: Jair, Eric Stokes for Douglas, and then my safety room is also the same: Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos. I would have loved to have snagged another safety, like I just kind of talked about. But overall, I'll take the wide receiving core because I think that this offense—you can stack it up against any offense in the NFL—and it goes, um, and it and it goes well with. It. You've got <clears throat> rookie receivers. We've seen over the last few years that it doesn't take a whole lot for rookies to. Uh, Acclimate in the NFL. I think that these two are two that can win right away, too. So, um, and honestly, don't be shocked if they get another pick that we would
0: have had in this mock, uh, for Jordan Love before this, before that's draft day.
1: Yeah, that's true. Probably, probably in the fifth, but we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? I know. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our fix of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, let us know who you liked more, and also what you would have done differently. Uh, if you're a Packers fan, if you're not a Packers fan, uh, we appreciate the feedback. Yeah, uh, Any...
0: it's, it's slightly two different approaches, is what we took. Uh, yours was heavily wide receiver focused, which is uh, from some of the Joker, uh, more of jokey mocks that I've seen on uh, Twitter today. Uh, mm-hmm. Is what a lot of people think they might do. I was a little bit less on that mainly because I don't haven't seen them do that, but they haven't had this kind of need at wide receiver. So we really don't know what they're going to do. Um, I think both are realistic situations. And I think there might be a chance that uh, like you did signing Odell and then like I did drafting one receiver is, is an ideal situation as well. I think both all three are in reality.
1: So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that, that wraps up the Packers, but we did say that we were going to do some uh, some Marvel talk, and I put DC D- edition, DC edition, um, Marvel talk, Batman breakdown, <laughs> right? BB. So, so we're going to talk about the Batman. So, if you haven't seen the Batman, I would suggest getting off of here. Uh, we'll probably talk through some spoilers. Um, is, we, this is the first time we've been able to do this this year. So, for those yeah. who have just joined us for the Friday fix this year uh last year we got to talk through like wandavision i believe um captain little soldier oh yeah yeah and so we had soldier god damn it yeah spoiler god (laughs) spoiler (laughs) exactly uh but we what we do is we just kind of chat about it a couple minutes um if you guys want to interact feel free to head over to the youtube link if you're not watching there uh and and we can we can talk about the batman and that's exactly what we're going to talk about Randy. You saw it most recently. What did you think of The Batman, first of all?
0: Uh, first of all, um, strap in for the day, because it's most of your day. Uh, it's, it's a three-hour <laughs> movie. Uh, just full send. Uh, it wasn't bad for three hours. Like It, it actually fit. Um, I know I saw actually a lot of people make the point and I thought the same exact thing. Uh, they could have made it like a two-hour and 15, two-and-a-half-hour movie, but like three or four parts of the story would have been ultra quickly wrapped and it wouldn't have been as good. So, uh, Batman was a the Batman first is, uh, yeah, was a fake, Batman. it's a great movie, in my opinion. Uh, definitely best movie I've seen this sh- well, second best movie I've seen this year. No, best movie I've seen this year because I saw Spider Man last year. Um, but it's it, honestly, it was, it was great throughout. I, I thought the characters played really well very serious uh there's a lot of dark stuff the movie was just dark you know it wasn't like overly dark and like way too edgy it was still pg-13 um but it was great and i think they did a great job portraying like riddler more of a serious character as well uh there's some teasers around there for other villains and there's a lot of talk about who the next kind of villains would be but they definitely set up for another movie and i think it went really well I, even i i thought it. Catwoman, while I thought it was kind of similar portrayal to an extent of what um And oh, yeah, yes, exactly. Uh yeah. like at least story wise, I thought it was exactly somewhere almost. Uh, just yes. without the whole like I need to change my identity thing, like fresh start thing. That's the only right. difference I thought. Because it was like so like, let's get together. I'm leaving though, motherfucker. You should leave too. <laughs> it was right. so quick. Uh obviously it doesn't mean she's out of it, but yeah, I thought it was very, very good. I Uh, You know, I I thought top to bottom, whole movie, I was enthralled. And, you know, that's what you want.
1: Yeah. So my first comment on the Batman is that the score is one of the best uh, in recent memory. Like, I'll talk about like Dune's score, which is obviously not Marvel or, or DC, but like Dune's score makes the film. The Batman without that specific score is not as good as of a movie at all. Uh, big music guy here. I'll t- I talk yeah. about score a lot. I listen to movie scores. That's what I like. Create football content too, but it was fantastic. Uh, I listened to it before I went into the movie, so I knew that it was fantastic. Which is how I knew that the movie was going to be so damn good. Uh, the Riddler, scary, freaking yeah. is. So I the other thing. The, the two entries of the two main characters were two of the coolest things I've ever seen. So how they played up Batman, like being the shadows. And then when he finally comes out of the shadows, that's one of the coolest Batman moments I can remember. And I love the Dark Knight trilogy. I think yeah. it's fantastic. Um, but that was one of the coolest Batman uh, moments. And then the Riddlers, uh, when the, the TV flashes, or the lightning flash, well, whatever it is that flashes, and Riddler's just standing in the room. Oh my god! Like, it not not a jump scare, but like a holy like that was that was an awesome way to introduce yeah. the character.
0: Well, it introduced it to a serious tone as well, because I mean, rightfully so. Like, it's like I get why the Riddler has always kind of been portrayed as more of like a joke, like like a comic relief type character because Joker has as well for a lot of the times but I mean both of our favorite Joker uh, I think would be uh, Heath Heath. Heath Ledger and honestly for me uh, oh my god I'm just blanking on people's names today Um, who just didn't care Jared Leto no 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 who just did Joker actually uh, (laughs) uh, oh Joaquin uh, Phoenix God, I don't know. Yes, yeah, so you fucking name. Jared Leto. <laughs> uh, I think him as well as uh, um, uh, Jack Nichols, Nicholson. Nicholas? Yes. Nicholson. Uh, the, the, I think those two for me are like tied for Joker because uh, I think they both did a good job. as more of like a serious but also kind of jokey at times. Uh, yeah. But the, obviously, <laughs> Heath Ledger is the best for us. I know it's what we grew up on. Um, right. But I think this is going to be one of the better... Uh, Riddlers we're gonna see ever because like Jim Carrey did what Jim Carrey should have done as a Riddler. I think maybe he should have been more of the movie, possibly. But uh I mean, Jim Carrey can't be a serious Joker like that's not him. Even and, though I've he's been a serious actor at times. I'm just saying like,
1: well, I'll say too. I mean, by the end of that movie, he is a little more seri- like you can tell he's just like a deranged dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but throughout throughout the movie, that's what I mean. Nah.
0: I, like this Riddler. It, it was literally Batman, Riddler, Batman, like it was constant between the two. Whereas that one, I didn't really feel like it was. And maybe I haven't seen it in a long time. So maybe I'm a little out of touch on it. But um, I think if it this much screen time was dedicated to the Riddler in that one, we could have seen more of the deranged character, but this one, I right. definitely fucking did. And the backstory of it also is it's all
1: just good. Dude. There's, there are a few scenes in the dark Knight that I think are better than the Riddler's uh, scene in Arkham in this one. Paul Dano was a freaking animal. That is that is acting his ass off. When the the thing that he does where he like yells and goes right into a sentence is like, it's so creepy. Like it's creepy. He studied a bunch of serial killers um, to embody this because that's what the Riddler is in this. He's a ser- serial killer yep. and a very scary dude. Um Fantastic movie. I, you know, to your point about the three hour thing, there was a good stopping point, I feel, but they didn't know if they were going to get a sequel when they made this movie. And so
0: what was the stopping point you thought of?
1: Uh, Right after Arkham or right when the Riddler gets, I guess before Arkham. So when the Riddler gets arrested, I said, I think they could end the movie there. And that, but then, it's a, it's a cliffhanger. And I think they wanted to tell a complete story start to finish, which makes sense. Like, that's what every movie should be a complete story. And if you want to end on a cliffhanger, you have to have uh, just, you have to know that you get the opportunity to make a second movie. But with DC and how they've been so hit or miss, Matthew Reeves did not know if he was going to get a sequel or a trilogy or two trilogies, like there's been rumors about. Um, And so it made sense to finish the story. The whole Gotham square garden scene was cool, but like, um, you know, I felt like that's where it started to drag a little bit. And I was like, okay, it's time to, it's time to wrap it.
0: It dragged a little bit, but I, so Riddler, especially in this movie, definitely made sense to be more of a guy that had an end game. And that this was the whole end game part where uh, like Joker, it's okay if he doesn't have like a full end game because Joker's never really supposed to have a plan, anyways. So, exactly. like yeah. <laughs> the end game can be whatever the fuck he feels like that day. So, but uh, I thought they did a good, uh, good job tying in, into the newer age as well, being like a uh, misguided cult following for the Riddler as well. Um, yeah, and it all works out that way. And I think just not having like a a lead for that group that like tried to follow out his plan. I think that probably is what dragged on the that last kind of scene there. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it I, I was agree. still some cool things there, and I thought it was very. I, I liked how they showed a lot of like uh, Batman, like obviously being dominant and everything because he is, but also a lot of like he just got rocked. How does he get a return? Because some of the right. times Batman just doesn't get that shown when it's clearly that's what it would be, even if he is a fantastic fighter, because. As you've seen with UFC and boxing in real life fantastic fighters can get fucking rocked I mean Tyson yeah. Fury should have been knocked out by uh, by uh, Deontay Wilder and he was knocked out but he got up by a 10 count some fucking how he set up like the fucking Undertaker uh, but like that's that's the thing that's what fighters do they, yeah. they fight it off and they come back and hit you harder so I thought yeah. it was a good representation of the character in that
1: sense some some people are pushing back on the Batman getting shot. Um, as if like the DC universe doesn't include aliens and like it, guys with freaking laser beams coming out of their eyes. Like I know this one doesn't. Well, and and it was rooted in like realism, but he had like protect like he had bulletproof art like that is the whole thing of Batman. He he can take a shot straight to his his armor and, yeah, and she, beat the living pulp out of you.
0: He repeatedly did, yeah. And yeah. and what makes sense the only shot that really knocked him was a fucking shotgun a foot From away <laughs> yeah destroying through his fucking body where it didn't actually like you know rupture internal organs and stuff because of his armor but it's gonna fucking knock you the wind out of you at worst and you're probably getting knocked the fuck down like yeah that is that's ridiculous i mean that's like a, a, a cannonball getting hit in your stomach like
1: yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so I will say, moving forward, like there will be a sequel. This movie has made over $500 yes. million. Like it, it is a hit. Everyone seems to love it. The only knock is the length. And that's the only thing I would knock it on. Um,
0: but, the, but again, like I said, even then, like there's multiple parts of the story that would not have been finalized in that movie yeah. if you oh, would yeah. cut it off like when you said it.
1: You're right. And, and they gave Reeves the. they said, make the movie you want to make. And he made it, and it was fantastic. Um, The sequel, there are rumors that they might come back to Mr. Freeze. Uh, Obviously, they teased. Now, big spoiler, if you haven't left and you don't care about spoilers or if you've seen it, you know that they teased the Joker. Yes, Um, but they left
0: it open-ended to where they didn't show the Joker. I mean, there was a voice, but, you know,
1: well, so I know who plays him, and it's a big actor. Yes, um So yeah. it's it's Barry Ko- Kogan, I think is how you say his name.
0: Is it Kogan? I don't Kogan. know. I think it's Kogan. <laughs>
1: it, it could be Keegan, but no one really knows. Uh, I think he said Kogan, but he's... Uh, what's his freaking name in Eternals? Have you seen Eternals? Yeah. Um, he, he plays a, a character in Eternals. So essentially... Uh, he was cast secretly. The rumor is that they did test screenings with him and without him. There's another deleted scene with him that's much better that does show his face. Um, and from what I've gathered, his face is scary. Like maybe rated R scary for the next movie. I don't think they would ever do that. Um, well,
0: this one is rated R, but BG 13 So
1: they say fuck. They do say fuck one they, time. Well, pg
0: 13, I think you're allowed three fucks, but you
1: know. Yeah, but I think they have to be spaced out. The yes. freaking MPAA is weird. Um, but essentially, I think, uh, okay. I, I don't think they returned to the Joker for movie two. I think that is movie three. That's how they finished the trilogy out, is with the Joker, but they wanted to tease it early to see how fans reacted.
0: That's yeah, and, and we discussed right after because obviously you were like waiting for me to uh, get out of the movie theater <laughs> yes. and text you and everything. And we discussed the possibility of you know just doing whoever's next, uh, w- whatever villain it wants to be, not Joker. Uh, yeah. but at the end of it, that we see the escape from Markham of the Riddler and Joker, and then they can form you know this insane alliances you know they they do a lot of the times i mean joker usually partners up with people uh i think a natural villain at least part villain for this movie would obviously be penguin who was featured in this movie uh heavily but wasn't the boss to where he kind of is uh you know in the bigger mm-hmm. role and it's not like a comedic uh look on or Uh, more penguin penguin looking penguin like it's just an actual fucking dude that's nicknamed penguin kind of thing
1: um with kind of an ugly face you know kind of
0: i mean obviously a heavy heavy fucking uh makeup uh, (laughs) to put that on colin farrell yeah colin farrell where he got thrown off the set because no one knew who the fuck he was uh because he also was not using his actual voice so people were thrown off uh which makes sense because it does not look like fucking colin Farrell. And it doesn't sound like him. He did a fantastic job. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a very serious uh, take on the character. And I liked it. Not that I think Danny DeVito's take was funny as hell. And also really, really serious and good. But uh, it's not what this movie would have went with. It, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, but this was, I, I think it's natural for him to be a part of it. Uh, and then you get another villain in there as well. Just like, you know, the mob and him was a villain in this. But also Red Lower's the main villain.
1: You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the penguins also getting an HBO max series. So there are rumors of three separate. (laughs) Well, and the penguin actually. So I think what they'll do is he, he gets off. Like he does not get arrested or anything. Um, and so I think they'll pick up right after this movie and that will be the penguin series. He's actually pretty funny in this. He cracks a joke. Uh, good cop bat shit cop or something yeah, like so that I, I laughed out loud and then he like waddles like a penguin because he's tied up and i was like oh that's a nice little homage it
0: was a nice touch i loved it uh yeah but
1: yeah i did not know they're actually doing a series
0: that's actually fantastic um i think hbo is doing an honestly tremendous and smart job is doing that mm-hmm. and giving more depth to characters because marvel showed that that was an important part of the process here and uh obviously i don't think you've even seen a, a peacemaker yet uh Not but yet. that's fantastic and if you know obviously that's more comedic uh, than this will be this will be serious with some comedy uh but i think they'll do a good job especially if it's the same director
1: yeah is on a winning streak right now uh we'll see what they do next yeah. i I'm, i just
0: I'm, hope they but see like it the last Batman trilogy was absolutely fantastic, as everyone knows. Obviously, I, I think I may, I would put this first part of what's uh, what supposed a trilogy ahead uh, of that. Batman's technically, I think right now for me, just because I wasn't this like overly fan of that movie. I thought it was really good, uh, but I would have to whenever I'm watching, I always just go right to Dark Knight because it's the best movie. So I, I always feel like I skip it and don't give the first one its do justice. Uh, so maybe I'm being a little bit biased here, but I think at least this is as good of a starting point as that one was, if not better. So if they can follow up even close to what that one did, uh, I'm not sure you can I'm you not sure think. anything's going to ever follow up like that because no one's going to do I, I just don't think anyone's going to do Joker as well as him. And I'm not sure you can do a Mr. Freeze or a Scarecrow or uh, anything with Penguin that's going to be as good. That's the only that's my worry for the next one. But, you know, this was really good. So I I have hope as long as they don't try and jump straight into, uh, you know, a Justice League and everything. I think what they'll do is keep this separate for a while. And that's what they should. That's what Marvel did. (laughs) They didn't. They were like, oh, this is working. Let's start yeah. building the building blocks to Avengers. Not yeah. let's you know what we should do in two movies, we should do Justice League, uh, and not introduce most of the characters and no one cares about them, and we're gonna cut half of the screen times.
1: Uh <laughs> yeah. And then it's well, over. If they're smart, they say, Hey Matt Reeves, go make your own Wonder Woman, go make your own Superman. You are in charge, you are the Kevin Feige of DC because he was the cinematography in this movie is just ridiculous too. Like he had such a great vision. Uh he pulled from like five or six different comics, probably more than that. Like it's just a, a ridiculous, ridiculous movie. It, it's it's very good. I think it is better yeah. than Batman Begins, uh personally. Yeah.
0: Well. If they just let him and in my opinion, James Gunn take over the DC universe, I think they're in good shape.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because James Gunn's pretty much done with Marvel, I think, after Guardians yeah. Three. So and. Uh, with what he did kind of revitalizing the
0: Suicide Suicide Squad squad. even though it was a little bit of an awkward take at times but what he's done with Peacemaker I think it's a smart move Um, and he's definitely not as serious on his side but he gets serious stuff and I think if he mixed these two directors for more of a, a go between movie I think we'd get some good results
1: yeah for sure All right, that'll do it we've been talking for a long time so It's a good movie. (laughs) Um, It was a good movie. Uh, So we will be back on Monday with the tight end episode and tight
0: ends. uh, Deshaun Watson reaction, uh, the true reaction after some digestion from uh, some football-wise excited fans, as well as you know, as a as Browns fans that are you know a little bit disheartened by the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that, unfortunately. And then uh, we'll, we'll also talk about tight ends. And, you know, I, I don't know how long we'll talk about the other thing. We might make something else in. But uh, Friday Fix will be back next weekend. I don't know what team yet. Uh, yeah, we're, might, we're not going to even change. suggest because it's changed the last two weeks. So, yeah, <laughs> this is true. So, all right, Randy, anything else to add before we bounce? No. All right. For Randy Hall, I'm Christian Williams. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Later.